When we walk through the doors of Celebrate Recovery, we walk in with strategies and even ways that we escape the pain and sometimes come into the realization that we need to remove those old coping strategies can be a grieving process and it's an interesting dynamic to process and today we're going to talk about it. Welcome to Hope and Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast that shares hope and healing for our mental, spiritual, emotional, and even our relational journey through the life change stories and recovery topics all centered around the Beatitudes and Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus is telling us how to face our hurts, habits, and hangups so that we can walk with true blessing in spite of our circumstances and live out the plan that he died to give us. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. I'm the ministry leader of Celebrate Recovery at Fellowship Rogers and uh, so glad to be here with you today. Uh, This topic today is one that uh, is interesting that just as we were wrestling with it, is grieving the loss of our old coping mechanisms. And I've got two near brothers, uh, friends and brothers in Christ uh, joining me in the conversation, Michael and Andy, a part of our ministry here uh, locally. So I'll let you guys introduce yourself and we'll jump into the topic. Hey, y'all. I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with anxiety and depression and sexual addiction. And my name is Andy, and I get to serve as the ministry leader for Fellowship Fayetteville Celebrate Recovery. Awesome. Awesome, Andy. Hey, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with sexual addiction, codependency, food issues, and pride. And my name is Michael. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. So, guys, we were we were kind of having a conversation about this and and wrestling with it. We said, you know, this would be a good conversation to take to the podcast. But this idea of grieving the loss of our coping mechanisms. What are we talking about there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, whenever I first got into recovery, and even even a little bit before I actually landed in Celebrate Recovery, when I really started making my faith my own, there was this thought of, who am I going to be mm. if I really uh, buy into just giving all of who I am over to Jesus. Mm. How's that going to change my life? And then getting into recovery, it it made it a lot more real of, I've got these things that I've been using my entire life to deal with pain, to be mm-hmm. able to deal with disappointment, to deal with rejection. And they're no longer helpful. Mm. They were never helpful to begin with, but I'm realizing just how damaging they are. And who am I going to be without them? What What's my life going to look like without them? And that, even though I wanted change, mm. uh, there was a level of pain that came with that that was kind of unexpected for me. It could be scary, too. I mean, I mean, if that's been your strategy for facing life, um, even though it hasn't worked too well, yep. but it is familiar and it's comfortable in a, in a unique and weird way, but... That can be scary. That's truly releasing full control and power, isn't it? Michael, what about you, man? What comes to mind just with that initial thought of grieving the loss of our coping mechanisms? Yeah, I, I think leaving 
what is kind of similar to what Andy was saying, leaving what I had been used to and I, I didn't like it. I knew I didn't like it. I, I finally got to a point to where it's like, I need to go, go do something to help change these things in my life. And that was ended up being celebrate recovery. But there was a, a familiarity mm. with, with those things. I knew what to expect struggling with like pornography. I knew, <clears throat> I knew what to expect. I knew what the outcome was. I knew, you know, this is going to help me feel better for a moment. And so, yeah, what, what is it going to be like doing something different? Uh, is Jesus, can I really take him at his word? Is he really going to satisfy me fully uh, when I've kind of been limping along, but I've been limping along. Uh, and so that, that fear of the future, fear of the unknown, even if I know that, you know, if I believe Jesus, that the future is bright, future is good, what he has is better, but in a lot of ways I was unfamiliar with it. And yeah. so it was almost, I was almost more scared of the unfamiliar than with getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, and we've said it many times with that, that fear of change, right. Can be crippling. And, and if I'm not in control, if I'm truly releasing power and control to my higher power, Jesus Christ, that means there's a high trust there mm-hmm. that, and I've been playing God and we would never say that out loud. I'm playing God with my yeah. words, but that's really what we're doing when we mm-hmm. use our own coping strategies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I, I think about like, uh, the idea of what I know is a lot more comfortable than what I don't know. Yeah. Even if what I don't know is so much better than what I'm living in right now. And, uh, so that sense of control, it feels mm-hmm. safe, mm. even if it's just a perceived sense of control. Well, yeah. and I was going to say too, what was coming to my mind is, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of tacked on to my introduction, how I introduced myself in recovery. I've tacked on pride there. Cause I have really been tackling a lot of what does pride look like in my life? And even thinking back, even in my pain and my hurt, uh, I, I didn't really recognize it, at, you know, at the time, but there was a lot of pride there thinking that I like this coping mechanism. It, it's, you know, I, I think this is actually going to help me better than what <laughs> yeah. Jesus has to offer. And so there yeah. even was some kind of creepy pride yeah. in there that was keeping me from that as well. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown and that pride. I got this. Yeah. 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 To admit that my way hasn't been working um, can be a little bit humbling, uh, to, cause to say I need help, my way's not working means what I've been doing has been failing. So I talked about this, uh, this past Friday night when I taught, uh, the, uh, the lesson at Celebrate Recovery. And one of the, one of the illustrations that I used was this, um, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Castaway, um, you know, mm-hmm. this story, Tom Hanks's plane crashes, he's on an Island, but, but he's on this Island in this, this, he's by himself and this Island was miserable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, gosh, how do I get, in fact, he was so desperate. He didn't know if he wanted to live anymore. That's how desperate he was uh, living on this Island. But so the waves are so powerful coming into the Island. He finally gets this raft to get over those massive waves and lots of hard work. He finally gets this raft built. He gets over the main wave that kept crashing him into the island. And there's a scene in the movie where he's actually looking back at the island 
and there's just this this heavy tension of grieving he knows he's not going back to that island mm-hmm. and and he's kind of grieving that and you're thinking well why would you grieve that you live four years of misery yeah. on this island it's terrible <laughs> why would why would you want to do that mm-hmm. and and but here's the what hit me as i was thinking about that scene he didn't know what was coming over the next wave mm. he he understood he was familiar and he was comfortable with what that island had to bring and even though it was miserable it was familiar mm-hmm. and i think sometimes that's one of those key ingredients is i'd much rather stay with the familiar that becomes comfortable in a unique way than to trust well what's coming over the wave that i'm going toward and is that going to bring life? Is it going to bring change? Or maybe it's better I just stay on that miserable island. That's kind of uh, just kind of a an aha moment for me. How often in in my life did I get comfortable because it was familiar mm-hmm. versus trusting God with the unknown? That fear of the unknown is a big part of letting go of the familiar, even though it's dysfunctional, right? Yeah. Well, and it's. What I think I had to realize uh, with my particular uh, coping mechanisms and sexual addiction, uh, pornography addiction, was my my main reason why I got into recovery and my longest standing coping mechanism. And I I I had to come to a, a realization, and it was kind of it felt weird to say it, but it, it felt like I needed to say it to myself that there was a part of my heart that actually loved my dysfunction mm-hmm. because it was all I knew and it worked quote unquote uh, <laughs> in, in the sense of I could find temporary relief yeah, and I could uh, manage what was going on in my life. And I had this thin veneer that things were working okay but in my denial, I was too scared to admit how much it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's just funny how like it's it's almost like that. And I can't think of the name of it right now, but that idea of, of somebody being kidnapped by somebody and falling in love with their oh, captor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what it felt like for me in my dysfunction. Stockholm syndrome. Yes, yeah, Stockholm yeah. syndrome. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a trauma bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where we... We, we grow this unhealthy bond with the very thing or person that's hurting us. And that's why a lot of times, I mean, my mom went through that um, growing up. I mean, multiple stepfathers, she would leave them and she'd go right back. And it's like, how can you go back to someone who's physically, verbally abusing you? But there was such a bond with that dysfunction that she didn't know how to break that off. But, but Michael, it, I mean, it's the reality is, and Andy alluded to this, is it does bring some relief. It, if it yeah. wasn't some comf- some level of mm-hmm. comfort, we wouldn't go there, right? Yeah. And so that's what kind of makes it a little bit tricky is mm-hmm. it's not sustainable comfort and it's not what we're looking for yeah. and longing for, but but there can be one level of comfort in that. Yeah, I've, you know, I meet with some some high school guys and 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 one of the things I, I kind of and this was something that someone had kind of talked with me about at one point in my recovery and it's kind of a trick question but I you know, sometimes I'll ask you, hey, why do, you know, why do we look at porn, you know, for us that struggle with sexual addiction and 
well, I'm, you know, I'm just gross and sick and, you know, I'm just so messed up and I have all these problems. And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, no, but, <laughs> but a big reason is because it feels good. Yeah. Right. And, and there's, there's something to acknowledge there for me to go, I'm going to this to escape pain because it feels good. But then the next thing right after that is it feels good for a moment, right? For a whisper. And then, and then the, the, the just terrible sick thing about sin is that it feels good for a moment, but then it actually doesn't solve things. And then in some twisted way, it makes it worse. Yeah. And it's just this cycle, you know, that hurts hangups and habits cycle. It just spins and spins and spins. Well, and also just one of the other like unique markers of sin is that it takes good godly gifts and twists them mm-hmm, and taints yeah. them to the point that it makes it hurtful and harmful to us. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about uh, me and my wife were talking about this the other day and uh, just thinking back to when my sexual addiction started, uh, I was exposed to porn when I was eight years old. Uh, and l- it was a couple years later that planted the seeds. But then a couple years later when I was 12 was when I got re-exposed to it. And, I was drawn to it because there were so many things, so many voices in my life that told me I was unacceptable and I was unlovable and I was unworthy. And when I found pornography, I found a false sense of acceptance and intimacy. Those images, those magazines never rejected me. Yeah. And as a 12-year-old kid, I can, I, I can look back on myself now in my 30s and go, man, it's so sad that that's what I was looking for in that. I couldn't have articulated it at mm-hmm. the time. And I'm, yeah. my wife looked at me, and I was so grateful she said this. She goes, man, I wish I could just go back and hug 12-year-old Andy mm-hmm. and say, I'm, I'm so sorry. Mm. that that's going on. And so it's, it's interesting. I've got, I've come to the point of giving myself a lot more grace and understanding that there's good reasons why I Mm. ran to those things. But at some point, those reasons, uh, we realize that they're unhealthy. Yeah. Well, good, good conversation. Hey, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to continue on that thought and, and how do we kind of turn the corner in, in grieving the loss on our coping mechanisms? Here with Michael and Andy having a great conversation. We'll be right back and continue the conversation. Hey, if you're looking for a place to come exactly as you are and be loved into a place of changing who you are in Christ, we'd love for you to join us on a Friday night with Fellowship Fayetteville or Fellowship Rogers, or maybe you'd like to find another meeting, an additional meeting or a meeting that meets your schedule better. Go to fellowshipcr.org and find out all the information about our groups and other surrounding groups. We'd love for you to join us, fellowshipcr.org. Welcome back. Talking with Michael and Andy, having a great conversation. It's making my uh, my heart and mind think a little bit here. And uh, so, yeah, just as we went to break, we we're just talking about those things that um, that those coping strategies and and the fear of letting go of those things. And Andy, when you were talking, uh, there was a thought that came to my mind. Um, you know, there there is a kind of a false narrative that 
Uh, this will satisfy me. And Michael, you were touching on this as well, that um, it, it can be misleading because it feels like it feels good. And if I can just get back to that good feeling again, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's not sustainable. And, and that's, isn't that the definition of addiction? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it puts up a false front and in like a bad car salesman, right? Just says, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about the closing costs, but yeah. this will be amazing. Mm. And we get that, that fix and, and then it goes away. And then we're in the, in this uh, laborious place of trying to chase that next fix mm-hmm. that never satisfies. And that's the cruelty of it is we keep chasing and chasing and chasing. It's, it's it. not true life change. Right. It's, it's a pseudo life change. Yeah. And, and that's what God offers is true life change. And yeah. I think there's so many things in the world that's like this, this is going to change you. You know, how many diets are this or try this or try this, this will change you forever. And it's, and it's just a pseudo pseudo life change. Well, and so much of it, I, I remember reading in a book uh, several years ago when I first got into recovery, This it, it was this idea that the things that we run to, the dysfunctional things that we run to is an attempt of us trying to fulfill eternal longings of our soul with temporal things. Mm-hmm. And so like with me and my sexual addiction, you know, I was talking before break about how one of the underlying drivers of my sexual addiction was me pursuing a really tainted way of finding connection. Mm. Well, God created us for connection yeah, and he is the source of connection and he is the only one that can fill that connection. And anytime I try to fulfill that longing with something else, it will never satisfy. It's like I'm throwing stuff down a bottomless pit. Mm. Uh, but the lie is if I could just throw enough things into the pit, eventually it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it never is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, the scripture talking about going back to that, the idea of new life, second um, Corinthians five seventeen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun and that new life that Jesus offers, but it can be so scary, you know, and it's like kind of going what you were saying, Andy, it's like, you know, no, no, this is what's familiar. If I do this, if I do this enough, it's going to work, it's going to work. And and then all of a sudden when it's, you know, for me, it was realizing the broken relationships I had, you know, I looked back on my life and was in realized that this relationship had ended, this relationship had ended. And most of the time it was because deep down I knew I was just struggling so badly and struggling with pornography. And, you know, I I couldn't ever really be real. I couldn't really ever connect. And so that Mm. pain started to rise up so much. It was like, okay, this is not working, even though it's familiar. And it was, and I, and I think it was the Holy spirit just, you know, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go to CR and just that, that bravery just to make that one step, I think was the big difference maker in me to, to start to let go and start to go. Maybe I can do something different. 
Yeah, it's that it's that coming to a new realization of what really is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think one of the other aspects of my grieving in in certain areas of my life, and I've I've felt this in my struggle with alcohol, but I've heard other alcoholics say this as well, is holding on to that hope that maybe one day mm. I can have a quote unquote normal relationship with alcohol. Yeah. But what I've had to realize for me is like my, the normal relationship for alcohol with me is that I don't have a relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a bad relationship. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, you know, for years guys I've sponsored an addiction, especially with alcohol is the, the fantasy for the alcoholic is if I could just get back to the days of just having a couple drinks at dinner. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the reality is I can't do that. If mm-hmm. I had one drink, it will turn into 40 drinks real quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not an exaggeration. It would it would happen that way for me. So the reality is knowing that that old coping strategy is not working. And, mm-hmm. and we, whether we know it or not, we all are, every single day, we, we develop coping strategies to mm-hmm. deal with stress and pain. What we're trying to do is to find new, healthy, different deeper ways of dealing with our stress to cope with that in a healthy way that doesn't manage it, but helps us to grow through it. Yeah. And that's, that's big. I wonder if you guys could speak into that, just how these new coping strategies in Christ have, um, you know, dug some deeper roots in your life to help you manage. We live in a broken world to, to mm-hmm. deal with the yeah. broken world that we live in. What's that look like for you guys in your life? Yeah, you know, the kind of the verse that's coming to mind for me in this is John 10, 10, and I think it applies so well to this, but the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, mm-hmm. and so the first part of those new coping mechanisms is changing the way that I think and fixing my eyes on truth, truth like that scripture that I just read. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is that any attempt that the enemy uses to try and get me to fulfill eternal desires with temporary things. It's going to steal, kill and destroy life in me. Mm. But Jesus came to give me life abundantly. And so I've got to ask myself, do I really believe that Jesus isn't lying to me there, that he's holding out a life that's far better than I could ever imagine? Yeah. than what I'm currently living. And so that that first part is like changing what I fix my mind on. Am I going to fill it with the lies or am I going to fill it with the truth? Mm. And what's amazing is when I fill it with the truth, the lies that my coping mechanisms tell me get quieter and quieter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I kind of go into scripture again, what Andy was saying, just the the John fifteen five, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And mm-hmm. and um and I think I think it it starts it starts with me abiding in Christ and I can sound like a fancy, you know, churchy word, abide <laughs> in Christ, but just abiding simply meaning spending time with, yeah. being near. And so I think it, it started with that, but I think it's bled into that uh, that connection piece. I mean, I, I yeah. having having men putting myself in positions 
mm. to where I have to be brutally honest. Yeah. Putting myself in positions where I have guys going, hey, how are you doing? And not just, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing yeah. in, in your recovery and your relationships? Um, and, and constantly putting myself in, in positions where at first I didn't feel comfortable, you know, because I was in, in a lot of ways, I was, man, I miss, I miss looking at porn. Yeah. Times I miss these old, but then slowly over time, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Yeah. It's so much better to have a clean conscience, to have a clean heart, to lean into Jesus, to have, to be able to talk openly and honestly, Mm. uh, to, to have authentic relationships and go, this, this is so much better than how I was living and, and remembering, feeling that darkness and feeling just the weight and feeling the heaviness and, being able to to go there is a better way yeah yeah we've we've said this on previous podcasts but it was it's worth repeating again i mean we're we're in the business of celibate recovery of not just getting you away from that porn mm-hmm. right if it's just yeah. about getting away from the prison cell mm-hmm. um then we lose perspective of what we're walking toward yeah yeah and so just what what might what might I be able to pursue in my life if I didn't have that in my life? Mm-hmm. The enemy says that this is the only thing that will bring life, so mm-hmm. you better just get used to it and make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And and some levels, if we had those momentary, oh, that felt, oh, it's gone, oh, that, no, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and in Christ, you know, He's given us something better to pursue, freedom for something so much better. Mm-hmm. That we begin to have that sustainable satisfaction of not just living in the addiction with the momentary um, relief and coping, but but longstanding um, growth and healing and freedom, uh, connection with God and other people, mm-hmm. and and allowing people through vulnerability into those places that that addictions kept me away from. Yeah. that robbed me from the fruit that comes from being connected, right? Yeah, man. And I think that connection aspect is so important. Uh, connection and uh, uh, putting myself in situations where it forces me to step out of my comfort zone. Mm. And so uh, staying in my comfort zone only led to unhealthy choices and staying in unhealthy choices and recovery is hard because it's us flexing new muscles. And anytime that we flex new muscles, we get sore. Mm. And, uh, so like for me, one of those healthy coping mechanisms that kind of helped me mentally to be more comfortable with pushing me out of my comfort zone was getting in a a better routine of, of working out because I don't like doing it, but I know it's healthy for me. And so it's kind of one of those things of get my, get my, uh, get my butt going in the right direction and eventually (laughs) my head and my heart will follow. But then the connection aspect is so good in my dysfunction. I was doing everything I could to disconnect myself from myself, from others and from God. Yeah. And so asking myself, what are those good choices that I can make that help to foster healthy connection with others? And so who are, just like you were saying, Michael, who are, how can I put myself in situations where I need to be radically honest and Mm -hmm. stay connected? How do I pay attention to what's going on with me? And, you know, we talked about earlier, how do I stay connected to the truth? Yeah. And the fruit of being radically honest. I mean, I think sometimes that's where I kind of wrestle with that. Am, 
Am I in this scenario of sex? Am I addicted to sex or am I addicted to novelty? Mm. Just the novelty of, I mean, you know, you see people that are married and, you know, if they were addicted to sex, they would have sex every night, right? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, is it sex or is it the novelty? Is it the, I can go and have a relationship with something mm. or someone, the fantasy world that, I don't have to invest emotionally mm-hmm. with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It feels safe and I don't have to deal with the world kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it's, it's those relationships that bring the fruit mm-hmm. that meets the longing in our hearts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything worth having is going to cost something. Yeah. And I think that's by design is that uh, it's not a take, take situation. You yeah. Know, relationships and, and things that last things that matter uh, are going to cost me something. And, and, and because of Jesus though, those things that I give, I'm going to get a far greater return. (laughs) You know, it's like Jesus, I know that the cost of entry is just simply have faith. Yeah. I I turn this, my life over to you. And what does he give us? Yeah. But it can be scary to go, I'm going to, I'm giving you the reins, God, like this is everything. You know, I'm turning this over to you. Uh, but uh, again, the return is just so much more uh, impactful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's true. It's it's interesting thinking about uh, just the process of celebrate recovery. We're talking about like grieving the fact that we have coping mechanisms, and principle two in celebrate recovery is where we start to turn the corner to believe that maybe there's some hope yeah. down the road. You know, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. Yeah. And so, uh, and then the beatitude that goes with that is happier those who mourn mm-hmm. for they shall be comforted. And am I going to, am I going to choose to allow myself to feel this, to really reconnect myself with myself and those longings that I have, those longings with God. And then as I come into this, am I going to choose to believe that God's not lying to me when he holds out the promise of seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you? Yeah. Could it be the case that he's actually telling the truth there? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and just like anything, I mean, no, with substance abuse, I mean, when we're putting things into our body that are causing harm, there's a detox process. Yeah. Our body's literally revolting on trying to get this out of our system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just good to, to be reminded that if you're early in the process, that if you're trying to detox your mind and mm-hmm. your heart, your body's going to be going, what are you doing? Yeah, this yep. isn't normal. Yeah. <laughs> Quote unquote normal. Yeah, this is, you're, are you trying, do you hate me? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you doing this mm-hmm. to me? But your body, your mind, your heart is actually detoxing all these toxic things, these thoughts, all this stuff that we're putting in our mind and our heart. And it, it can be painful, but it goes back to that trusting the process. What yeah. you're saying, Andy if I trust the process and I have to trust the process in order to get to the other side of this, do I trust that, that I matter to God and he has the power? And if mm-hmm. I do turn your life and your will over to him and he will take care of this, the pain will change. Mm-hmm. But right now your body, your mind, your heart is telling you this is going to be the worst time of your life and it's never going to get better, which is why we 
kind of stay away from that. Yeah. And I can hear, I could even hear, I, well, I can hear myself, but I can hear people going, is that really true? You yeah. Know? And, and, and my, one of the joys that I have uh, of, you know, working with our local CRs to help support our life change stories. Yeah. And it, one of my biggest responses to someone is like, is that really true? It's like that really? And I'm like, just come on Friday nights yeah. and, and listen, <laughs> listen to the stories. I yeah. mean, and, and these are not people who are, you know, Superman, super, well, yeah. I'm not Superman, you know, <laughs> yeah. these aren't, these are, these are people just like you and me yeah. and, and God has taken their mourning, you know, and their ashes and turned it into joy yeah. you know, and turned it into a beautiful, you know, turned their mess into a masterpiece. That's and right. It, yeah. it, it really does happen and it really can happen and it will happen if we trust the yeah. process. And that's why, you know, coming to Friday night and hearing those testimonies, it gives us oxygen to be mm-hmm. able to get through, especially those early uh, times of this is really, really hard. And even when new new trials come about, just knowing I'm not alone, that I've got other people around me hearing those life change stories, mm-hmm. the teachings based on God's word and the principles of Celebrate Recovery and getting into those small groups to process. Uh, Andy, real quick, 30 seconds. Um, what do you say to somebody that's in that spot that, uh, man, they, they are in that place? I don't know. To Michael's point, is that yeah. true? What it's, what's a word of encouragement you'd give them, man? Yeah. You know, I think about in that spot of, I don't know if that's really true. And maybe you've been trying a little bit and your body's in that detox phase of saying f- things feel a lot more painful than when I was in my stuff. And what I would say is just because we couldn't feel the pain when we were numbing it doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah. And it really is true. When we bring our pain to God, he offers a healing that is complete. Hmm. And you don't have to stay stuck in that misery. There's yeah. a God who loves you and wants to heal you. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate your wisdom. And uh, been a great conversation. Um, and thank you for those of you are listening uh, today. And, and we hope that there's been some good nuggets for you, whether you're brand new or considering or been on the road a while. We hope that it's brought you some encouragement. But Maybe you've got some coping mechanisms that are causing harm or havoc in your life and your relationships. Hey, now's the time. You can start over again or you can start for the first time. And we would be honored if you would join us on this road to recovery. Um, yeah, that brings life, life change to you and those around you. So join us on a Friday night. If you'd like more information, we're here every single Friday night, Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers, Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Come join us for a meal, Connection Cafe at six, and then our worship starts at seven. Always brings a lot of encouragement. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We hope that you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.